example, because if you have a bike, is actually much harder than one might think it might be. And part of the problem is, what do you do with your hands, right? Because if you have to have an apple in your hand, then you take a bite of the apple, but then the bike gets wobbly, so you reach down. Now you have an apple in your mouth and both hands on the bike, right? So you don't fall over, because that's awkward. And then you're like, now I have to breathe, right? And And you're like, I really want to breathe right now. But if I take a big, deep breath of awe, I'm going to lose the apple. And like, what do you do? You know, like breathing is so important. Doesn't that feel good? Some of you have been waiting 20 years for an intro like this. Big, big diaphragm expanding, belly flaring out, breathing, just. I can literally feel my blood pressure going down just by breathing air. You ever try it? I mean, we've practiced this before, right? We've laid down on stage, we've practiced breathing. Do you work this into your daily life? Do you breathe? Do you, do you just breathe air before an intense meeting? Maybe you don't even know it's going to be intense. Do you breathe air? Do you think of breathing air? Our text today is uh, page uh, 974, starting at the top left-hand corner with the word now. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified, there's that word again, by faith. There's that word again. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. My question via text was this. John just here from Timberwood, just wanted to be clear, because like, John just here, like when you text it, my second name doesn't get capitalized. So it's like John just here. And people are like, who is this? <laughs> Thank you. John just here from Timberwood in parentheses. My first point on Sunday is foster care. Can I reference my friend Catherine, who is a foster care provider, and the fact that she cares for a number of children until they can be adopted? My friend Catherine's response. Using my name is just fine, which is wonderful because we've already used it twice. I've been doing foster care since 2017. As a single mother of four biological children, I was asked to do this work. Now, if you know Catherine, it's not just that she was asked to do this work. She felt compelled as a follower of Jesus Christ to do this work. It wasn't like a request from just someone. It was motivated out of her faith. I was asked to do this work and knew I wanted to make a difference in these innocent children's lives. Maybe you'd think of foster care or volunteering for vacation Bible school. I cared for children until they could be reunified, reunified with biological parents, since that is the ultimate goal with foster care, or until they are sent to a permanency home, permanency home, adoptive home. I have had up to 11 children in my care at one time. I have fostered only four that were reunified and one who aged out of the system, but adopted a sibling group of three who were my first placements back in 2017. 
foster care. We think of the law as onerous, and there are certainly some interesting aspects to it, but it's the people who make the law onerous, right? Especially in Paul's day. Even today, I would argue, we can take what Jesus has taught us to do, and instead of embracing a gracious, well-fitted response to the love of Christ and the Spirit's influence to follow him, we turn it into a judgment proposition. It is so intriguing to me how followers of Christ are so mean to each other. We're just brutal on each other. To quote Peterson, translating Matthew 11.30, When will we learn to live lightly and freely, embracing the unforced rhythms of grace? And maybe that, more than anything else, is something that you take home. Paul has a take on the law that is different. It's the bridge. It takes us from papaya to the cross. It's a temporary guardian, foster care, if you will. It's also the outcome of a God who wants to care for his creation in this bridge period, right? And I think we miss that. So often we look at the Old Testament law and we're just like, that's just, 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 why do we even have those books? And it's the outcome of a God who wants to care for his creation. That at the core of it, God wants to love and is responding with love and care and compassion. The law, it's a temporary thing designed in its best application to provide a temporary provision, a segue to a destination that is life in Jesus Christ. Or category, or HC. It's French, which along with oui, s'il vous plaît, pain au chocolat, au bonjour, represents my vocabulary in that beautiful language. Perhaps you disagree. Perhaps you don't think French is a good language. Perhaps you would use a derisive term to speak of the French. Take the word butterfly. The image that you get, butterfly, a chunk of butter that flies around. In German, it is schmetterling. In French, papillon. Isn't that beautiful? At any rate, or category refers to a climb that is so steep or so long and steep, one that is an absolute litmus test of physical ability. It's in a class of its own. It's beyond. It's different. It's looking uphill on the bike, being just absolutely brutalized. Names like Mount Ventoux and the Glabriere and Alpe d'Huez. Mount Ventoux, for example, features nearly 5,000 feet of climbing over 12 miles. In February, I rode 5,000 feet of climbing over 45 miles. Now, normally 45 miles would take me about, I don't know, two and a half, certainly not any bit longer than three hours to do. That 45-mile ride took me almost five and a half hours to do. It was brutal. It beat me mercilessly. I can barely imagine what it would be like to do the same amount of climbing in one-third the distance. Beyond category, beyond description, almost beyond imagination. With that in mind, listen and breathe this air. It's verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, 
There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. Notice the change there. De Silva believes that, that Paul is, is embracing Genesis 1.27, pre-fall, male and female, as the distinction. There's neither Jew nor Greek, that, that. Slave nor free, male and female. For, 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 you are all one in Christ Jesus. A description that is beyond category. And I'm really tempted to take this verse and place it next to any. Place it next to anyone that wants to have a discussion about what the makeup of the people who follow Jesus look like. Anyone who wants to exclude based on skin color or socioeconomic status or gender. It is really a revolutionary statement, okay? Socrates, okay, was quoted as saying, I am thankful that I was born human and not an animal, that I was born a Greek, not a barbarian, and that I was born a man and not a woman. Rabbi Judah in the second century had a threefold blessing that he asked all the males to repeat on a daily basis. Grateful to God that you have not made me a Gentile, that you have not made me a boar, that you have not made me a woman. That was the climate in the first century. That was the distinctives. And into this, beyond category, comes this verse from Paul. It's really a revolutionary statement. And, and I want us to be aware of it. If we want to have a discussion about what the kingdom of God looks like, what it looked like before sin, before the fall, before the papaya. It's a new category. It is beyond categorization. It's something entirely different. All of the old walls are broken down. Listen, neither Jew nor Greek, blood type, nationality, doesn't matter. Slave or free, social economic status, doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor. And here comes the mic drop. No, no male and no female. Now, to be sure, there's a word about entry here, right? Verse 26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. Baptism, identity with Christ. And we'll get to that in just a bit. These categories, ever since the fall, all of these have been in place. Christ, then, is the restoration of something that started out as perfect, but has been suffering since the papaya. Can you imagine how much pain would have been avoided if there was no distinction between these various identifying descriptors? And to be sure, Paul informs my own view of how male and female are treated when it comes to being ministers of the gospel. And for those who want to invite discussion about the topic, I'm more than willing. I get the tension. Paul writes, same Paul, to Timothy, his protege, some very specific things in 1 Timothy that seem to argue against this text. I think Paul is addressing a specific problem that Timothy is facing in Ephesus. 
and tailors his instructions thus. Likewise, when he writes to the church at Corinth, but those issues specific to those churches do not, for me, possess the reality of Galatians 3, 26 through 28. And likewise of Romans 12, where it says, if you have the gift of leadership, you should lead. Unia, a woman, in Romans 16. And of Joel 2, 28, which is repeated in Acts 1, where I quote, the sons and daughters will prophesy. The words are strong. They're beyond category. They're to the churches, plural, in Galatia, present-day Turkey. And as important as I might argue this is, Christ becomes more important. Can we just get people closer to Jesus Christ? Can we just get people to put on Christ? That can we agree? Can I get us to breathe the air? The text describes it as this. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. We're not sons and daughters of God because we exist. We are created in the image of God. But through Christ, if we have identity with Christ, if we have put on Christ, if we have said yes to Christ as our Savior, then in Christ Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, Christ gave the command to be baptized. Christ was baptized. He invites us to be baptized. It's not that baptism saves us. It's about identity. Again, Paul speaking to the reality that identifying with Christ is identifying with Christ in his death and his resurrection. Going into the water is being identified with Christ in his death. Coming up out of the water is being identified with Christ in his resurrection, in his life. It's a beautiful picture. If you've never experienced it as an adult, it's an absolute amazing thing. We do it every summer, okay? It's a great time to say yes to following Jesus Christ and to publicly articulate a private decision that has been made to be baptized. I believe it's the second week um, in August um, this year. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, breathing heirs, heirs according to the promise. More than anything else, I want my life to be about encouraging people to move closer to Christ. Can I get you to move closer to Christ? 
Can I get you to put on Christ? Can I get you to move from being under the guardianship, the foster care of the law, to being a breathing heir? Are you willing? Are we willing to move from being under the guardianship of the law to being a breathing heir of Abraham? Have you ever considered the air that you breathe? Have you ever considered that you are a breathing air? Have you taken the time Have we taken the time to embrace the Spirit's activity in our life? Can we make the statement, because I am identified with Christ, because I put Christ on on a daily basis, because I am a breathing air. Take a breath. Feel it in your belly. Hold it. Now slowly exhale. In the silence of the moment, perhaps for the first time, perhaps it's part of a regular practice that you embrace. Become a breathing air of Jesus Christ. Make the transition from the law to the gospel of grace. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We've said it before, O great God. All of us here are in one of two camps. Either we've started a relationship with you or we haven't. We've started a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, or we haven't. 
for us that have started a relationship with Jesus Christ? Allow us to breathe the air as a breathing air. Allow us to put on Christ. Allow us to identify with Christ in our baptism. And for all those of us, O oh great God, who have never started a relationship with your Son, allow your Spirit's work in our life in such a way that today is the day. That today is the day where we pray to you and say, Father, I want to know your Son as my Savior. I want to breathe air as a breathing air. I want to put on Christ. I want to know my sins are forgiven. I want to know that I can be identified with Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to take one more step. I'm not going to embarrass you. But on the back of the Connect card, just write the word today. We'd, we'd really like to pray for you. If you have your information on the front, we'll reach out and contact you. But if you prayed that prayer, just, just write today. Let us, let us celebrate with you the, the start of you being a breathing air. Father, it is with profound delight that we preach from your word and tell stories of faith and celebrate, celebrate through the gift of music. Father, we ask that you guide and guard us for all of our days, that you are our vision. Please stand, let's respond.